Hey, everybody. It's Jackie Johnson, host of Natch Butte. We talk skincare, we talk makeup, we talk all things beauty. And my guest this week is Ariana Maddox. Hi. What do we talk about, Ariana? Oh, my gosh. We answer all of your questions. We do. We talk about how our dogs were in a Pharrell video together. We talk about... Um, exfoliation. Oh, we talk about exfoliation. We talk about uh, tanning, self-tanning. We talk about laser hair removal. We, we go there. We dive, do a deep dive in my makeup bag. We And Tom's. And Tom's. <laughs> and Tom's Sandoval's. So maybe check out Natribute this week and see what we're talking about. See you there. Guys, finding quality denim jeans is tough. And to find a good pair without breaking the bank is just uh, almost impossible. But at Distilled, spelled D-S-T, T-L-D, you get like brand top quality jeans at a price that won't break your bank. And I know I said break the bank, but I like saying break the bank. And I'll say it again. Break the bank. But just go to distilled.com, D-S-T-L-D.com right now and use the promo code FERAL and check out and get a 20% discount on your first pair. And these are great jeans. I love them. I wear them all the time. Heck, I sleep in them. Distilled jeans. They're the best jean you're ever going to wear. In fact, I shower in them. Distilled jeans. D-S-T-L-D. They're good quality, super duper denim. And, you know, it's not going to cost you like $200 or $100. Go to distilled.com. D-S-T-L-D.com. Do it. Get some jeans. Look cool. everybody welcome to the conversations with matt dwyer i'm matt dwyer uh and this is it's a fuck it's so fucking hot in la right now and what's worse is that it's a billion degrees in my apartment and i can't have my air conditioning on when i record these these intros because it will be too loud and i'm i'm literally and not to not to evoke uh hot imagery for you people but uh i'm sitting on a yoga ball naked after a cool shower so i can tolerate this recording because it's probably like 105 in my apartment sitting on a yoga ball everybody Matt Dwyer having a conversations on the interwebs yoga ball because I sit on these because it gives me the illusion that I'll have tight abs without doing sit-ups yoga ball hi I'm American I'm lazy I'll sit on an exercise thing in hopes it gives me tight abs but I won't get tight abs and I'm not gonna do sit-ups because I'm a fucking lazy idiot American that music you hear there is Les Blanks. They're idiot Americans, and uh, but they do sit-ups, all of them. Check out their website, lesblanks.com. They all got the sweet, tight abs, all of them. Such hot young guys who play the sweet rock and rolls. Uh, if you haven't listened to this show before, I don't usually talk about myself naked on a yoga ball. I just have conversations with uh, nice people. Uh, I try to make them a little topical, a little political, a little creatives in the world. Uh, today is Andrea Portis, who's an author. She's written a book. She's uh, gotten that book made into a movie, and she's got another novel coming out real soon. And we'll we'll talk to her in a little bit. We're going to get to that conversation, uh, which I am not naked in a yoga ball, because it was not a hot day when I recorded it. Uh, I do want to say, hey, Paul Ryan, welcome to the presidential election. Hey, guy, thanks for getting on board. I really appreciate you trying to be uh, portray yourself as a cool guy, even though none of you, your sports coats look like they fit right. Looks like you bought those right off the rack when you were eight years old or something. <laughs> They're a little big on you. What's going on with your coats there, Paul Ryan? Paul Ryan, with your sleepy eyes. You got those droopy, sleepy eyes. You're like a, you're like a droopy dog who hates women. You're a droopy-eyed dog who doesn't want women to have abortions, even if they were, in, you know, raped by their dad. <laughs> or just raped by a stranger. Doesn't matter to you, Paul Ryan. You're against abortion, no matter what the stakes are. Hi, I'm Paul Ryan. I'm trying to portray myself as a cool guy who listens to Rage Against the Machine. Wait a minute. Is that just some kind of spin to make me appeal to the younger people and like I'm cool? Did I ever pay attention to the lyrics of a, of a Rage Against the Machine song that are pretty much against everything I've ever stood for in my entire fucking life? Maybe not. What do you think, fuck you, I won't do what you tell me is all about? Fuck you, I won't do what you tell me, women, when you want to have control over your own body? That's what he thinks that song's about, Paul Ryan. Welcome to the presidential election. Oh, wait a minute, they also say you like Led Zeppelin. Is that true? 
You like Led Zeppelin? Is that the way they make you look cool? Is this how out of touch these old fucking white Republicans are? That they think the kids of today are like, ooh, Led Zeppelin, this guy's with it now. 23 skidoo, everybody. Hey, Paul Ryan, you're just like us. Led Zeppelin, you like that band that's over 40 years old? You're just like us, Paul Ryan. <laughs> hey, Paul Ryan, do you like Nickelback and Hootie? You're just like us, Paul Ryan. Hey, Paul Ryan, you going to that Buddy Holly tribute show? He sure was with it. I got horned rim glasses too, buddy, Holly, Paul Ryan guy. <laughs> I just think it's really funny that they, they think that they're going to portray this guy as a hip young guy when he's so fucking conservative. You just shot yourself in the fucking foot, Mitt Romney, Paul Ryan. I'm going to legally change my name to Paul Ryan Ron Paul. Doesn't that sound fun? Hi, I'm Mr. Paul Ryan Ron Paul and Ringo. Um, I don't know. Is this, is everyone still, uh, did Paul Ryan totally distract from the Chick-fil-A thing? Did we finally move on from Chick-fil-A? Here's the thing about the whole Chick-fil-A thing. First of all, I want to say that, um, anybody who's against gay marriage, like, uh, Sarah Palin or Mike Huckabee, Mike Huckabee can suck up my dickabee. It's just interesting to me because if you go and listen to, um, speeches of George Wallace during the civil rights movement when he was against integration and uh, civil rights, they sound remarkably like the things these people are saying. It's just, you know, one's about black people and the other's about gay people. But they sound, and that that's the thing, is like no matter what this debate is going on with this Chick-fil-A and stuff, just take a nice rest and realize they're not going to win. They can't win. It's not constitutionally gonna happen eventually gay people are gonna get the right to marry and people like Sarah Palin and Huckabee and the rest of these jackasses are all gonna look like shit in the history books in in 10 15 I mean they already look like idiots but they're gonna look like everyone's gonna be like really like we got on board with this except for a couple fucking morons in the world that are still stupid as all fuck and uh, but you know for the most part that issue is the the gay people and everybody who's on that side of gay marriage is going to win and all you fucking dopes are going to lose. And there is a little bit of a question. I, I kind of like like the Chick-fil-A thing. Like that guy, whoever owns Chick-fil-A, I don't want to even put his name to memory. But it seems weird that everyone's getting all like upset just about Chick-fil-A and it's like I think look at the bigger picture just just a little bit like yeah they're fucking assholes but do you really think any of the other fast food restaurants are any better like for some reason because it's one guy who owns Chick-fil-A and he was dumb enough to have a big mouth about it that we are all angry at him and rightfully so but do you really think McDonald's Burger King Taco Bell you think any of these fucking people don't give their money to the same stuff to the same anti-target gave their money to anti-gay marriage. The fucking fat dude who owns Wendy's, who's dead. But he was like Johnny Pro-Lifers. And I'm going to take a wild stab in the dark and hit him right in his fat belly. That he was probably against the gay marriage too. It's amazing. It's amazing that a lot of these people are so flagrantly bigoted in their like you know especially the anti-immigration and like you see Rush Limbaugh or you hear him or whatever you do with him you can't help but see him because he's a fat fuck too hello we're making fat jokes but it's like this is something I take great comfort in Rush Limbaugh goes out publicly so does Glenn Beck and a lot of these other people and they badmouth Mexicans and and immigration and all these things but what they don't realize is when they go to a restaurant it's probably statistically pretty safe to say somewhere along the line some Mexican people are going to be in the kitchen making their food and I want you to think about that for a second and then think about how much spit semen and god knows what Rush Limbaugh and Sarah Palin have probably eaten <laughs> in a restaurant and have no idea about it how much I think Rush Limbaugh probably has swallowed so much Mexican spit in his life and probably gay people spit from eating out in restaurants that he probably, by proxy, is Mexican and gay. 
just genetically now. He's put so much DNA of of these people in his body that all of them probably can legally say they're Mexican. <laughs> At least that's what I hope. I mean, I've worked in a ton of restaurants, and I've seen the things people have done to food when, like, somebody's a shitty customer. Probably, if you're Rush Limbaugh, you're going to get some spit in your food. Just a stab in the dark. All right, well, uh, to recap, Ron Paul, or Paul Ryan, is there really a difference with any of these guys? Hmm? Paul Ryan, big dope, sleepy eyes, doesn't like women. Pretends he likes Rage Against Machine. Don't think he really likes Rage Against the Machine. Gay marriage is going to win. Chick-fil-A and all the fast... You shouldn't eat... Fa- Real quick, too. You shouldn't even eat fast food to begin with. Like, that's the other thing. It's like, don't eat fast food. It's bad. Period. It's bad for you. It's bad economically. Uh, Well, I'm going to get off this uh, yoga ball and put my air conditioning on and maybe put on some boxer shorts. Uh, enjoy this conversation with Andrea Portis. You are nice. You know, my last name is really stupid because everyone in my family pronounces it differently. Uh, what are the variety of uh, pronunciations of your your last name? Well, it's Portis, like tortoise, right? Yeah. But my sister wants to think of herself as being very Latin, so she pronounces it Portez, the Z. But you're not Latin at all, are you? Yeah, our dad's Cuban. But my mom's like... You're filthy Cuban? (laughs) (laughs) I told you this was a communist show. It Um, is. I'm a very leftist. Everybody knows this. But I should, real real quick, I should say that you are a noted... Noted? That's not even, isn't it? I don't know. uh, Author of Notorieties. (laughs) Why are you laughing at that? That's a, you're an author of notorieties. I'm coining that phrase. Okay. Um, I'll and take it. you you have one published novel. Yes, and I'm about to have two. Two. Mm-hmm. God damn, that's fucking fancy shit. You think so? I've got some shitty essays on a on a blog, like about 90 million people in the world who suddenly think they're writers. I thought your blogs. I thought your essays were really funny. I'm a brilliant writer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. We're in my apartment, by the way, too. And just let me just say, feet from my bed. Just feet. <laughs> feet from... Uh, oh my God. And them sheets is cleaned and starched. I don't know if you starch your sheets. I don't get a lot of girls in that bed lately. <laughs> I got a dog that I get in there. Uh-huh. Hopefully, he'll interrupt us. But okay, So, speaking of blog, like as a person, doesn't it drive you batshit crazy as a, as a writer? Make sure you're talking to the mic there. Yes, yes. But I mean, like now suddenly, because of the internet, every fucking guy in the world thinks he can write mm-hmm. and girl and girl i meant i'm from chicago so that's the guy is the universal everybody from right. okay I, th- I sometimes think i insult women when i like say you guys and i'm talking to them as women i don't think you do okay I think women are used to being insulted vaguely especially by me <laughs> <laughs> just my mere presence is insulting but i mean because that's that's something that because if you read yelp reviews now some people think they're a fucking critic and it's like mm-hmm. what do you, you like you're you're like carl johnson from ohio what do you know i don't know i mean honestly i think that some of the critics that aren't established critics are just as good as the old guard yeah but some are i mean some of these critics that are out there that are just kind of like these old geezers that have just been there for a while ever are horrible i do always i do think there should be critics for critics i think that rex reed should have a critic he should. He's awful. <laughs> He's horrible. And he, he he reviewed the movie Hick and he didn't even get it right. Like he didn't even get the right ending. He didn't know he he literally did not watch the movie. So it was sort of like go fuck yourself. Yeah, Hick being the film based the film. Uh, yes, based, based on, on your your novel mm-hmm. which was critically acclaimed, would you say? Crit- I you know, shockingly, it was my debut novel and it was critically acclaimed and it was a bestseller. A best. I didn't know it was a bestseller. Because I, I live in a fucking. I live in Glendale. I live <laughs> where culture culture is not uh, part of my life anymore. <laughs> so you were on a New York Times bestseller, or um, the different? Are there different bestsellers? There's different bestsellers. Hopefully, the hopefully the next one will be more of a bestseller. I don't know. It's it's really the critically acclaimed part. I think is probably the. Hard to emphasize. You know what's know. not a bestseller? What? My blogs. Because <laughs> no one pays for those. I'm, but you know, I'm, you're like this 
you're a sellout. I'm a real artist. I don't make any money. Yeah, wait till you <laughs> wait till you wait till you read the next book. What is, oh, do you want? It's not. It's so dark. Everyone says it's dark. Like everybody, everybody says it's a lot darker than Hick, which Hick is pretty dark. I mean, that's what Hick everybody. is super duper dark. Yeah. So now this the second one, bury this. It's called bury this. <laughs> is it another uh, female-based book? It is no. I mean, there's a, there there are two women and there's one man, and they're not teenagers. They are in their early twenties. Early twenties. And it takes place in Michigan, in '78. Were you from originally? Not Michigan. I've never been to Michigan. <laughs> I once wrote a thing about uh, two kids in, in Victorville, uh, California. Never been there. Just looked at pictures, uh, and I just assumed it's a place where there's a lot of that weird sound, I hope, makes it to the microphone. It's my dog <laughs> drinking water. That's actually me drinking water. That's you drinking water. I give all my uh, my guests a bowl of water. <laughs> it's an S&M thing, and nobody knows it because they can't see that we're wearing leather collars. So when you first, but how did you discover that you were you like one of those people who like always wrote? Like I was when I was a kid, I would like draw the covers of books and write books. And yes, I did always write. Even when I when I was five, I started with my poetry about how the Russians were going to take over for the world. There was going to be a nuclear bomb, and we're all going to die. What, were you like a, a kid in '62? <laughs> like, no, it was no, I know. Was Red Dawn. It was like that. Oh, that's right. That era of remember? Does anybody remember. remember in the '80s? All of a sudden, it was it was basically like we were all going to die in the nuclear war. This is I have a whole theory about this, by the way, about Gen X. Okay, which is that we all grew up with the idea that it was it was inevitable that we were all going to die with the Russians and there was going to be a nuclear bomb and all that stuff. And then that went away, right? Remember, right here, right now, the whole shebang. And then I think everybody in Gen X was just like, oh, well, that's a lie. I guess everything else is a lie too. Were you referencing the Jesus Jones song? Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. <laughs> Right here, right now. I, I was on an airplane with that guitarist once. <laughs> we got were. we got really drunk, but he he though they're British, he lives in Chicago, and he was he was a waiter. He was, but uh, he kept telling stories and be like, "Yeah, I don't have anything left, <laughs> but it was a good time." That's how all the stories <laughs> end. And I was on an Amtrak with the guy who got on next to me and he started drinking his booze and he was wearing a bright orange polo and he said, y you, do you recognize me? Oh, and no. I said, um, no. And he's like, um, I'm from the band of Twilight Zone. Or, no, Golden Earring. Golden Ooh, Earring. I was in boy. Golden Earring. How, was like, when I, was I, this? Uh, this was in the 90s. Okay, I was going to say, because what were you doing on a Amtrak? But in the 90s. <laughs> it was yesterday, actually. Yeah. And then was, he was like singing, I'm stepping into the twilight, like trying oh to make me remember. And I kept not remembering. And then he kept getting more and more annoyed. But then I did remember just to help him feel better. Did he look like shit? Booze. Yeah, but he did also, his stories, I do remember, seemed to end with the same kind of, those were the dates. I guess if that's, you know, you had a small window in the 80s or 90s, and then that's what else do you have? But that, because he clearly, if he's riding the Amtrak, he's he's not swimming in the cash. I knew the song when he, in the many ways he described it, Twilight I knew when he said, you know, the video where the bullet goes across the card. Does this ring any bells to you? No, yeah, totally. I just think it's that? funny that that's how he has to describe everything. He he does. There was like five descriptions of the song before I realized. Did he hit on you? Yeah, totally. That was the, what the whole thing. You was fucked about. him, right? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, Some you know, if you get a shot to sleep with a rock star, um, no matter how faded, you take it. I don't think so. But I I, did drink I was his a booze. T really. I, I drank his booze. Yeah. Oh yeah. We both drank booze with these people. So we we hang in great circles. I also I was a fuck toy for the Pet Shop Boys for a while. <laughs> That's my claim to. I've never have I had. I had sex with an almost famous musician, female, by the way. Throw oh, that on there. And then, right. but then he never really took off. So <laughs> I guess that doesn't count. But she dated Billy Corgan for a while. Ah, see, there you go. So I'm Eskimo buddies with Billy Corgan. Is that what that is? I thought it was just by the sexual correlative. You've had sex with Billy Corgan. See, that's why you're a writer. Sex, sexual correlative. Uh -huh. I can't even say it. That's how fancy you're. You are. <laughs> you're that much fancier than. What was like some of the first things you wrote? Like you went from poetry. Everybody has to have a poetry face. Every my five my five year old poetry was to die for. Do you still have it? Um, it's in bubble writing. I'm sure my mom has thrown What's it away. Bubble. You know, like little girl bubble writing? Oh, yeah. 
you know? Yeah, because I still get letters from girls. <laughs> you live right by the high school. I know. This is, this is like pedophile's paradise. I, I wear my cut-off jean shorts <laughs> and just wash my car out front. It doesn't really work well at all. I don't look good without a shirt, though. I shouldn't say that publicly. No, I don't. But it's true, and eventually you're going to find out, you specifically. <laughs> Then was that was Hick like the first novel you wrote? No, I wrote it. Go fuck yourself. You write one, <laughs> your first novel, and then it's like bang, boom, it's bestseller, and then a movie. I know, and then not, a, and the craziest part was who was was who we got to be in the movie. I don't know how that happened, honestly. The whole story. So you're one of those people who has the whirlwind lucky life, and then there's schmucks like me. No, it's not that lucky. <laughs> It's, it's not that lucky. You know what, what would have been lucky is, is if when Hick came out, instead of being reviled and instead of ever having the critics call us pedophiles, if like they would have got it, like the kids, the kids get. The kids Why did they call you pedophiles? They, they they thought we were pedophiles because okay, because right. so the movie really like the kids under like you know twenty five lo- they love it especially girls because they put themselves. What's it, Chloe? Girls. What's her nuts? Chloe Moretz. Moretz. Yes, and she's very cool actually, very nice person. Um, but the old the old reviewers, right, who are all old men, they weren't really putting themselves in her perspective, her POV, which is kind of the way that you kind of have to view the movie. They were getting mad at themselves for being perverts, and they kind of got mad at us. I mentioned that to you that some of the reviews were some of the reviews were fucking creepy. I know, and I was like, this is how old was she at the time? Thirteen. Thirteen, because they're like. Budding sex pot. And I was like, yeah. she's a fucking child. I know. I know. I know. Well, they they couldn't. It's weird because the girls never saw it that way. They saw the movie that way. And teenage girls were like, oh, my God, I love it. You know, and the older reviewers were just it, it was very creepy. See, I, I, I that's proof I've matured because it, five years ago, I'd have been like, I got to jerk off to that movie. But now <laughs> so gross. I'm like, that's disgusting. <laughs> it is. It really there was one who said something about her, like her mouth. Yeah, there was some weird stuff about that. Yes, I know. Look, it's she's thirteen, and I mean the whole point is it's a coming of age story. My favorite, uh, my favorite line from one of these established critics was that a coming of age story about a boy, I can get it, but a coming of age story about a girl—that's just creepy. That's a real quote from a real reviewer. Reviewers could, should go. It's such a weird form. Yes, and now I do think that there are more of them out. Every, but everyone thinks they can. That's the two things I think everyone thinks they could do is be funny and write. And it's like, you can't. I can't be funny. Not right now, especially. <laughs> well, you're among, you're in the presence of a genius. Oh, okay. okay. I'm speaking of my dog. Oh, okay. But like, that's, Fran Lebowitz said that. Like, there's, most people should just realize that they're, you're an audience member. There's a, there's a very few people. And it's like, I take issue with it when people are like, oh, yeah, I should, you know, I've been thinking about doing stand up. It's like, do you realize how many fucking years of brutal work it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and, and it's insulting because you're like, I've fucking killed, like, I've ruined relationships and, like, <laughs> been kicked out of apartments. Like, you don't have no idea what I've gone through. I used to, I don't mean to brag, but I used to be the uh, personal assistant to a high class escort. And I noticed the other day, she has decided to become a stand-up com- comedian. Who? Uh, my high-class escort. Oh, you know, I was wanting names, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I'll, I'll point her out. <laughs> Not to Tidy Fleiss. No, but she's doing. She's she's doing. She's doing stand-up now. Which That's is just shocking. so. It's weird. I'm sure she's not very funny. No. She might have been molested enough to be funny, though, because she was she a hooker. Might have been. But that's, you know, you found your calling by sucking dicks for dough. She was interested in double... Penetration. Yes. She was <laughs> She was interested in two guys. She was like, I love two guys. I always want to be with two guys. Oh. And I was like, that sounds great. You know, whatever gets you off. And then, but then later on, she revealed to me that she never actually had an orgasm with anyone that wasn't herself. So I thought that was strange. That is weird. How... How did you get this job? And I mean, because she's <laughs> what did she say? Because it's not legal, technically, right? Because she's well, oh, I she's, didn't realize she was a high class escort when I went for the job. I thought her 
the job was a bit a flooring business. <laughs> flooring? <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. I showed up and she was like, would you like to be my personal assistant? I've started this flooring business. And so I was like, and then I, so slowly as I was working there, helping her jumpstart her flooring business career, I realized that she was like having a lot of meetings during the day where she would get really dressed up and go to the meetings and then she would come back and she'd be kind of disheveled and like I suddenly realized like as she was talking about she because she talks a lot a lot it was sort of like a captive audience there and I kind of put together that actually the flooring business was maybe her dream but the High class escort business was really where she was making the money. Did she seem like a miserable? Was she miserable? I mean, I can't. She's a Mensa. She was Mensa. She was like a Mensa. It's amazing. Mensa high class escort trying to get her flooring business started. How do you get um, be Mensa? Just seems like made up. Like, because if I, no matter how smart I ever was, I wouldn't be like, well, I'm gonna see if I can join Mensa. Like, I, I would just be like, what's the? What do you? What do you get a badge? You get a magazine every month called Mensa. So it's like. It's like AAA. You get a magazine you don't want. Like what? I mean, what do you read about? Well, you have to have a certain IQ, and you have. I'm to sure have I have it. IQ. Yeah, well, obviously, I think I can't remember if it's 139. Oh, see, I'm 147. <laughs> Easily, I'm guessing, but I'm, that's what I'm guessing it is. But she did get Mensa magazine. But I mean, I guess you don't have to do. You, I mean, I don't know. What if it? What if Mensa magazine's really poorly put together and it's like a bunch of typos? And <laughs> she she had a business degree, and I remember she talked about. I was at the time I was going out with this guy, and I and I was talking to her about the guy, and she was like, "Well, you know, you have to understand there's an opportunity cost when you have one boyfriend." Like opportunity. What does cost? it mean? Which means that when you have that one boyfriend, then you're missing out on the other boyfriends or people that you could have. Opportunity. But you might not have anybody. You could just be. You just that might be your last trip that just came in. Sugar. <laughs> well, I guess. Was she attractive or was she? She was very attractive. Well, because a lot she was of gorgeous. You know, them department the people in that world are sometimes it's like they're like attractive to like gross middle aged guys. No, she was beautiful. She was very. She had a How very much did she? Do you know what she charged? Excited. I, I don't know. I mean, I do know that she helps me. Uh, she made a lot of money. She made a lot of money, and she also made a video uh, for a song that she had written, and I helped her with her video. It was where, and I helped her cast a f- two fat men to be in her video. And there was one man who came in, and he wouldn't stop taking his clothes off. And he was fat? Yeah. There was supposed to be, it was supposed to be like a fake, it was the dumbest idea of all time. The it's, song was you, I Want You Both, going back to the fact that she oh liked boy. having two guys. She cast, she wanted to, her idea was it was going to be a, a spoof on a workout video with her in the front, like with her hot little body, and these two fat guys in the back. And I was like, that was what was going to and that's again, And that's got to sustain your interest for more than 30 seconds. <laughs> I mean, yes. it's like, it's like, once you see the two fat guys, you're like, all right, now what? Right. So we, we had this open call the two fat guys and one of the guys showed up and he was like i want to show you my body because it's a workout video and he just wouldn't stop taking off his clothes and he was like took off his things and he took off his jeans he was wearing a tutu how fat was he took off the tutu he was wearing like rainbow underwear he took off the rainbow underwear he was wearing a thong jesus was he like dom deluise fat yeah i mean he was really fat and then he sat on the sofa The world is a strange. Yes. So now you did you just write? Did you not write articles and weirdness before? Did you or did you just were like I'm writing a book? I mean, you always wrote, but I'm just that's I want to know how unlucky you are. Though even it sounds like you were lucky. Well, I mean, well, hard work. I wrote. So. I wrote. I started writing that book heck in 1995 or something. Oh really? Yeah, and I just kind of like wrote it in journals all over the place and basically lived my life as a complete reprobate but then every once in a while I went back to the book and would write in it over a period of 10 years 10 years mm-hmm. I didn't really take myself seriously as a writer I was just like oh I'm just doing this thing and then when it got to a point where you're like I'm going to show it to somebody I no. mean cuz that's like that's an interesting that you didn't take yourself serious and you're I've read the book it's great you're good you're real goods <laughs> um 
No, I got annoyed at my life. So at a certain point, I was sort of like, oh, well, now I'm just kind of like, that was sort of glamorous back then. But now I'm just sort of quickly becoming a loser. And I had a re- I think I had a really bad breakup or something. And I was sort of like, okay, I, I have to do something. So then I took it out and dusted it off and tried to finish it and took it around. Was it a bad breakup with anybody I knew? No, okay. it wasn't. That I was after. Oh. That was. <laughs> yeah. How many? Okay. No, you only. You only have one person I know that you've dated. No. no. Yes, it was. Bunkin Russell. Oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it wasn't Bunkin Russell. That's. Uh, so then you dusted it off, and then what did it take? Like a few months of work, or. Uh, I, I dusted it off. I did a couple. I did a few months of work, and then I went to the writers' market book, the giant book, and I looked up how to write a query letter. That's and it. I wrote a query letter to ten different literary agents that looked like they were interested in first-time novelists, and I got response back from five, which was actually pretty good. And that's then I worked really this. you couldn't do like in the this side of my business that you're just fucked until somebody comes and talks to you. Yes. Well, I mean, I I did get rejection letters, you know, but I didn't get as many of them as y- you would think. I don't know. You got. Five out I of. I got five rejection <laughs> letters. Five out Those of five. are good odds. Those are great odds. You, this is going to encourage more people who can't write to write. I hope you know <laughs> that. So then I worked with my agent for a year without even having signed any papers or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, and then at some point she went and took it out, and I was kind of like, "That's it." It was. That was pretty fat. Was it based? Because it's about it's a coming of age thing about a girl, which is gross. Yeah, it's totally gross. Perverted. You talk a lot about periods and <laughs> boobs. You know what? I don't think there's anything about periods in there. There's definitely stuff. About there's definitely boobs. periods. No, there's no periods. There's boobs. No, there's no punctuation. No, there's <laughs> there's no period. <laughs> it's all one sentence. Was now does that do you do you draw? Because like usually my writing in some ways, mm. it's very me centric. It Even if it's not hilarious. about me, but, but it's very hilarious. The writing is all POV. Like every, if you think about it, every story has been told a zillion times. So what makes it interesting is whose weird brain you're seeing it through. Which That's is why true. I thought your writing was really good. Yeah. Not well, not everybody that. can get gang fucked by a a bunch of uh, Mexican gang guys. Remember? Oh yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that was the first thing you sent me, and I barely knew you. I thought that was very strange. You you sent me the weird the first essay you ever sent me was like the weird it was almost like a test because like I I met this girl and I want to just really freak her out so I'm gonna send her the weirdest thing I could ever send. I've really liked the story probably that's I I don't (laughs) I always forget like no one else lives like I have a my weird brain and then a few people that I'm close with that I share my weird brain with. So I think I'm used to that world and then when I step outside of that world things get. Like, I'll say horrible things around children because I'm not used to being around kids. Right. They got it. I'm not like, hey, I w-, you know, I'll, I mean, I swear in front of kids. Are you, say- are you saying you want to have a child with me? The yes. You're looking at me. I do. <laughs> why not? I think I might be sterile, though. Chances are pretty good. Oh, okay. Why? I should have knocked somebody up in my life. Oh. How old are you? How old am I? Mm-hmm. 43. <laughs> there are oh, 34 okay good yes oh You're good thank you for inverting my age <laughs> i'm actually not ashamed of saying my age because I, I think we need to i think we need to get past that in this world because mm-hmm. it's just it's fucking absurd it's like it, the age-old thing is that we're all going to get old and die so mm-hmm. maybe if I'm, we not, sp- I'm not planning on doing that no I'm i've been kind of speed speed racing towards <laughs> death a lot of my life See how much coke I can cram up my nose. Life, <laughs> not anymore, by the way. But so, and how much of Hick is based on you and your not much. and your I budding mean, honestly, breasts? <laughs> honestly, would you look like naked at thirteen? Uh, I'm kidding. I want to know. Ask a Rex Reed or whatever. I mean, he was one of the people. Was he one of the? Because no, one his, of the reviews. One of his reviews, honestly, the thing about his review that was so infuriating is it was like he he said horrible things about Juliet Lewis said horrible things about Chloe. He had said horrible things about Blake Lively. And, you know, the, the acting in the movie is really good. And They're all great actors. Yeah, they were. They did I've great. I've seen the movie, too, and by the way. Eddie Re- you did? Yes. Really? Of course uh, I did. And Eddie Redmayne. I, would, I support you. And oh, thank you. Was very, very good in the movie. But it, the difference between the way Rex Reed 
was like an old queen. The difference between the way he talked about Chloe, you know, adorable Chloe and Juliet Lewis and Blake Lively and, and the way he talked about Eddie, it was like, that's, it was the girls, it was like, that slut, that, you know, potty mouth girl, that did it. And then Eddie was like, Eddie Redmayne, you know, walks on water. He's a prince. <laughs> Does he really me. Like, it was just Ugh. ridiculous. Did he, is he, which one, because I'm not, I'm bad with names, but who's the young, handsome, rebellious guy? Eddie Redmayne. Because somebody in one of the reviews I read was like, they talked about his mouth and her mouth. And I'm like, it was so weird. <laughs> it was all about mouth. Well, he they both... Pouty, like pouty, like dick suck lips or something. It was like he, really creepy. He does have a really good mouth, actually, for somebody who's Did English. you get with him? No. Oh, I didn't know he was English either. Yeah, he's English. Fucking Limey's coming over here, he's taking our so jobs. He's so good. He's really good. He's a great guy too, actually. You'd like him. Okay, fine. I'll hang out with him. And, <laughs> and his mouth. <laughs> So, but I mean, that's kind of like, that was all in what frame of time, the, the from the book being published to the movie, it was like a couple years. That's a pretty crazy couple years you had. Right, because when I met you, right, when I lived in Echo Park. When we put, yeah, we both did. When, what, when you looked in my eyes and said you're weird perverted to <laughs> say? Um, I don't know how we got into sending my writing to you. Uh, you sent it to me immediately after I met you. And I don't know why, because I wasn't even published then. So it's like, I don't know. I guess you thought maybe you would impress me with your Mexican gangbang story. Yeah. Right. Okay. Somebody, I thought, yeah, maybe I thought maybe I could bed you down with my, my whimsical words, <laughs> my magic. So, okay, so you met me before the book was even published. Yeah. And then about, I think, a year or two later, it was published. And then, which was like yeah. 2007. It was in the works, I think. It was in the, no, but it wasn't. It no? wasn't even anywhere near being published when I met you. I was still a loser. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. We did a I lot was, of day drinking. That's kind of what I recall. We yeah, didn't... we did some day drinking, which I think is the first red flag of a life that's not going exactly as planned. That, that's a Echo Park was a blur. That it was eight years of a lot of day drinking. Echo Park was a blur for me from 1997 to. 2006. Is that when you moved here in 97? Or you Yeah. Well, I was living in, in LA and starting in 1990, but I had to I had this pesky college I had to finish and I had to finish my pesky See, graduate. I, I avoided college. See, I didn't have to I didn't have that. I just I yeah. barely finished high school. Well, I think you're doing okay. And so <laughs> Did my dog just make a weird sound? He's chomping on a rawhide. But okay, so then So then so, okay, so that was 2007. And then the person who optioned it optioned it in 2008. And then the movie, we shot the movie last year, which was what? 2011. Right? Oh, yeah. And I'm, then it came out in 2011. I love that we both have a life that we're not even sure what <laughs> fucking year it is. It's not It's not just like, what is it? It's Tuesday. Rent's due, right? It's like, it's more like, it's what year is that? Which is, I'm kind of prou proud that that is how my life is going where okay, I'm like good, me too. I did once though had my clock was unplugged <laughs> for like months and it was just blinking <laughs> and I finally was like I should probably say because it was like it got to this weird existential like just sort of <laughs> void of life like I wasn't doing I had no job at the time uh -huh. and I guess I had some dough in the bank or something because uh -huh. I did nothing for months Sounds I good. did a lot of day drinking you did? Was that when was that when we were doing our day drinking? That was when my friend Michael Connell and I were working on this. We were shooting these little sh comedy shorts, and we did we've shot m and wrote most of it in a flurry of booze. Was that when you were doing the show with Duncan down at um at Sea whatever that place? Was? Oh, Sea Level. Sea level. Right? That was also in a. Well, who am I kidding? Most of my life has been a blur of day drinking. Right. <laughs> especially okay. in L.A. though. In L.A. especially. Well, I think in Echo Park it's completely acceptable. It's just, it is. There's something. So, and then, then they also asked you to write the script to your movie. Yes, that was the weird Had thing. you ever done, written any script stuff? No, and in fact, I begged them not, to, I said, I don't want to write the script. Like, I'm a, I'm a novelist. I don't, I have no desire to write a script. I don't want to be another struggling L.A. person writing screenplays. I just don't want to do that. And they sort of asked me and asked me and asked me, and finally I did. And, you know, and I think... You know, the script luckily got all those that talent and that director. So, you know, I was actually pretty proud of the script. It's a what did how did you like the process? Because that's a, a adapting something is got to be. A I don't even want to think about doing that. And then adapting your own thing. It was a hassle. 
And then uh, did like dialogue writing? Was that a real? No, the dialogue was great because the dialogue was just like lifted and stuff. But I mean, I also Derek Martini, the director, worked with me for, you know, about a year on it. So he would be and he was great because he was he's very good at sort of like story and structure. And he'd be like, well, you know what? We need this here. and We need that here. And also screenplays are like it's like to the fucking page. Like this has to happen here. Yeah. Like it's. And right. every one of every movie is pretty much on the that. Pretty much, yeah. So it was except like, for like okay. Scorsese stuff, <laughs> right? Well, I mean, and you know, to be quite honest, it's like the the plot of the thing. It's not exactly like we're. It's not like the Dark Knight Rises. It's not something that's like okay, this happened. You know, yeah. The, the plot is a little bit more like those '70s movies because it's a road movie. You know what I mean? So it's basically through her POV what happens. But in that, of course, there's this. You know, there's the page two, the page. All that stuff, page ninety-seven, all that stuff. <laughs> but um, I'm really stupid with that stuff. Well, it just hurts my brain. I was stupid with the male characters because it was sort of like, you know, the female characters were really what kind of got the talent, but the male characters were sort of more flat. Because apparently, I don't really, I'm not a guy, so I I I got a little bit of help with that. Oh. There. And now Eddie, I think, is one of the more interesting characters. That's the thing I don't think people realize about movies, scripts, and all that stuff. It's like, it is incredible. Like, there is no like, hey, I wrote this. And they're like, oh, uh, we'll make that. It's like, it's like every fucking guy in the world has something to say about it. And you kind of have to play. You can't really argue, (laughs) especially when it's like, I'm the actor who's attached and I'm the director. You kind of have to. Right. Acquiesce a lot. Well, I mean, the thing is, okay, the original producers on it were like, no, over, they were just like, no, 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 no. And then when Derek came in to direct it, he, he had directed Lime Life. And we, and, you know, I actually, weirdly, interviewed all the directors. So I actually kind of chose them. Wow. Because I really liked him. And, um, he was kind of a smart ass and he seemed like he was annoying enough to actually get the movie done. And um, and we got along really well. And he told the original producers to fuck off and to stop giving me so many, like, so t- stop overnoting. And, like, and basically he and I kind of veered off together and worked on the script. And we sort of, like, unfortunately for them, because they now kind of hate us, especially Derek, we kind of, like, yeah, like they weren't even allowed on the set. Well, yeah, a lot of them, I mean, a lot of them don't, it's like, you don't write, you don't understand. It's like, if you get too many notes, it gets fucking confusing. Yeah. And it's also just like, you know, everybody's got their thing. So some, somebody say, you know what? You need a spaceship. No, you need a best friend. That's a pie. Like, it's just, it, it just becomes this gobbledygook. So you have to have somebody that you trust. So I really trusted the director because he, he had interesting vision and ideas and was like, okay, I can work with this person. Whereas before, I mean, they, their their notes were sort of like louder, faster, funnier kind of thing. Yeah, I think uh, a lot. Of, I think a lot of people on the industry side just have catchphrases and things they say. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. it's like, uh, and they'll always say that the, th- the third act needs fixing. <laughs> it's like right. And I was like, when I I actually heard someone else say that, I was like, yep, that's always the fucking problem mm-hmm. or the thing that they say. Mm-hmm. Or they, well, the words I remember, I used to be a reader at Paramount. So I just remember the words that you, the words that you were basically taught to use. First of all, the first thing they said to me as a reader at Paramount was, your job is to figure out a way to say no. The second thing was like, here's how to, do, it's like the things that people say, it's engaging, it's engaging, it's not engaging, contrive, it's contrived. Ooh, contrive is a fucking hard word to hear. I mean, unless you're contrived, I'm not. A lot of them are contrived. I mean, you know, but that's because they're trying to get their movies made. I mean, imagine if you're a screenwriter out there and you're seeing half the things you see are contrived. So, of course, you're going to, you know, if you're seeing dollar signs, you're going to probably write something that's contrived unless you just want to make weird, obscure movies that no one's... Right. That's where I go. (laughs) (laughs) And that's just as insane. Like, I've had a thing that's gone on for five years and I'm like ready to kill myself. Yes. I know. Well, it's hard. But it's, do you want to write more? Like now, are you like, oh, I'm going to write more movies? No, I mean, I'm. I wrote. I wrote this novel, and I'm not writing that screenplay because I'm just sort of like over it. That second novel is done. Yeah, the second novel is done. Bury this. 
bury this. I like that title. Coming soon to I hope. <laughs> is the picture a close of the cover? Is a close up of uh, somebody's crotch and they're grabbing it and it says "bury this." I'm just hey, uh, <laughs> bury this. It would uh, be. I'm just trying to help you out with the marketing. Uh huh. Yeah. No, it's not. It's very dark, snowy. It's like a very dark, snowy novel. When does this um come out? And you've um, been compared to Dostoevsky <laughs> and Joyce, right? Um, I think it's probably going to be out next year. I think the New York Times said you're the fuckable James Joyce. <laughs> Who, by the way, James Joyce had, James Joyce had a weird uh, fart fetish. And that's the truth. Is that true? Yeah, and his letters. There's a book of his letters, uh-huh. and there's oh my God. one. Th- he was like an ass freak, and like a what really? Yeah, it was, it, there's like these bunch of my friend uh, Peter Klein showed it to me. Really? Yeah, he was like, you, I know Peter Klein, the film writer director. He, yeah, he was supposed to maybe write the screenplay for Hick. Really? Yes. I've worked, I've known him for years. I think he's years. the same guy. Yeah, he did The Living Wake with Michael. Yeah, that's him. That's the guy I was talking about earlier that we did the shorts with. That was Michael Connell. That's very strange. He was one of the people that these producers introduced me to to write that, that we were that he was going to write the screenplay before when I had told them that I didn't want to write the screenplay. That's a really... F- and then they f- told him to fuck off and then they asked they kept asking me to write the screenplay. So I always felt bad because I, I really liked the guy. He seemed like my kind of guy. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. He is your kind of guy. I know, see? Yeah. We were He and I were in this dumb meeting with these two producers. He and I should have just veered off and gone to a bar. You should have. He would have. He was working with... <laughs> Sean Lennon for a while and he said like Sean Lennon did he tell you any of these no I did just see him at someone's birthday party though just and he, he just Sean Lennon would always show up like five hours late like they were working on a script <laughs> but it, and it was like always like sorry I like I was having an orgy like it was always stuff like it was never no, like really? it was never like oh my car didn't start it was just like oh, I was having sex like it was just always crazy shit like that that seems a little weird I think he I think Sean Lennon is making it up no I don't, I, I can't, Sean Lennon's life has to be in such a weird bubble of... Have you ever answered the phone when you were having sex? I... <laughs> I don't know. I don't... I don't... Why? I don't know why. I, I don't want to... I try to not answer the phone anyway. Right, right. And if I'm having, the, you know, that once every five year opportunity to have sex with somebody, <laughs> I'm not going to let the phone get in the way of it. I usually have my ringer off these days. <laughs> All right. Um, why have you? Was, no, I once was having sex with someone and they answered the phone and they, they, and they, they answered the phone. I'm fucking. And then they like hung up. And I thought that was kind of funny. That is funny. Mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah. You I just hope it could was be, your friend? No, it could just be the, who the person was on the other end. I think they appreciated it. So now, now that you're accomplished, mm-hmm. you're, am I accomplished? You've got a, you wrote a novel that make out made into a film that you wrote the screenplay for and you're about and you're having your second novel published. I would say that's pretty accomplished. Okay, I'll take it. That beats uh, selling shoes at for Tom McCann, don't it, you think? I think it beats working as an esc- as a as a escort. assistant to the high class escort. That's a good journey that you had mm-hmm. to that. But you know, so I sort of love that girl though, honestly. I want to know who this is. You She's, can't say. I'll, I can I'll I'll show you on Facebook after. Okay. But now, so now are they talking about, uh, now at this point, are they, are there people already optioning me like, hey, well, do they? Yes, uh, there's this whole big declaration now because I got this. Because you're, because you're successful. No, but I got this uh, very cool, high power book to film agent who's obsessed with the book. She buried this. She read it and she's obsessed. I mean, it's like, it's very exciting. Knock on wood. Who's, who's the, what agency? CA. It's one of the big three. Big three? Mm -hmm. You can't say. Not yet, because they're waiting to oh. announce it or whatever. Not that anyone would care. It's funny how so it's many... It's one th- of the ones with the letters, yes. APA, UTA. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Yeah, agents. Uh, that's, that's, it's, well, you're in a better position. Like My agent will... Mm-hmm. I notice if he starts calling me a lot, I'm like, ooh, something's happening. Because mm-hmm. otherwise it's like I'm... I'm I don't ex- I'm like a missing child. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, they don't. Most of them don't. I mean... Have you heard the the joke about the agent? My managers told me. I think it's actually kind of good. Managers oh wait, spend... I shouldn't tell a joke on your thing. Yeah, you should. No, I no, don't no, tell no. jokes. You no. have a lot of my well, it's episodes the gist are. Of it is like none of these people actually have any opinions about anything. They just you know care what everybody else thinks, which is really shockingly true. 
So it's the joke is like, you know, a script goes through an agency and they're all supposed to read it over the weekend. And so then they get back on Monday and, you know, the producers call an agent and he says, so what'd you think? And he says, I don't know. I'm the only one who read it. <laughs> <laughs> That's see, And you did it with a nice vaudeville shtick. Sh hey, what are we, what are we, no one could see your yeah, vaudeville Yeah, no one take. could see my vaudeville hands. I got these from Natasha. Natasha Leggero does do the big, does big arm movements, and I can't, like, get I do a lot of big, because she has better rights. She's Italian. But I grew up around a lot of Dagos, yeah. which is upsetting. Nobody knows the word Dago anymore. Well, well, what is, where does it originate from? What is the etymology I'm, of Dago? I don't, that I don't know. I keep meaning to look this. I know there's a <laughs> neighborhood in St. Louis that was very Italian called Dago Hill. Really? I, and I just got that from the Ken Burns uh, baseball document. I know WAP was without papers. Oh, that's what WAP is. I never knew that. And what then, other racist things can, do you know? Uh, well, because like my grandfather was like old old my name. My grandfather was so racist; it was ridiculous. My grandfather would say racist things, but it was just it was Chicago neighborhood stuff of where it was just like it oh wasn't God. like he referred to his wife as like my Polak, my Polak <laughs> wife, your Dago uncle. Like that's just what he. It wasn't like he didn't mean it in the racist. He just that's how everyone was referred to. I know, but it's like, it's so awful. I mean, when I think of some of the things that, well, I mean, Nebraska, I think is probably much more racist. That's where Chicago. you're from. Yeah. How does it, how does it, how do Cubans end up in Nebraska? They don't. I mean, I, I was, my dad was, you know, on the East coast and I was with my mom. Oh, okay. Who's like white, total white bread and her family was sort of white. What was bread. mom? She's like, mom is like, you know, German American. American. That's key on the American. Yeah. I mean, they've been here forever. So she's like white bread. Now, when you write, though, now do you feel like, is there a weird pressure now? Because you're like, oh, fuck, I got these two books. Like, are you like scrambling for your next idea or you got 18 million ideas? 18, I got a ton. I, 18 million ideas. And then is that difficult to figure out what the hell you're going to do next? Yes. Because then it's like, shut up. And you get like really excited about something and start writing it. And then like all of a sudden something else starts out. Like right now, it's, I'm writing yeah. this thing called Stupid Faces. My third book is called Stupid Faces. And it's like... You title it up front? Yes. Well, sometimes some... Well, there was there have been three different names for Bury This. Can I run a bio? Uh -huh. Actually, four. The first one... Okay. God, this is going to be embarrassing. Okay. The first one was uh, Take Me Back Gently, which... That sounds... Sounds too whatever. And then the other one was the Phil Flumpin' times. <laughs> the heart and soul of Phil Flumpin'. <laughs> the other Please, your next novel have uh, be based by, on a guy named Phil Flumpin'. <laughs> and then the other one was A Cake in the Teeth. I like that. And then the other one was uh, Why Then You Left Me. Ooh. Which from Shakespeare from Midsummer Night's Dream. But no guy. one could remember it, including me. So then now it's bury this. But Bur bury this is good. Hick. Bury this because then it's like it's that's it's two words. People see it and it's like that. Yeah. If you saw that on a bookshelf, because I'll buy. I have bought. I mean, I read it. I don't know. You like bought a book by the its cover. I no. What is oh Skippy <laughs> dies, which is over there, is a book I uh, is a book I bought because that the it's colors on the cover were. Um, the, Right. were appealing but also a title of Skippy Dies right. and but then I read the first page and it was the first couple pages are the character Skippy mm -hmm. actually dying and it's it was really well written and actually pretty hilarious so I was okay. like a book that dies with a child uh, starts with a child dying I'm in I mean who's, who, who could resist it yeah and it's in Ireland another win there you go so Stupid Faces is the one I'm working on now but I'm also working sadly on a certain screenplay for a certain actors. But that has a good title. Can I and tell you the title? Can you say the title? Yes. Okay. The title is Untrue Grit. I like the title. Thank you. I, I'm assuming it's somebody you just worked with. Possible, possible. We can't say. But And see, now you're writing a movie and you must be pissed because you're like, you don't want to do that. No, I know. They See? It's a, it's, they get you. They do get you. They get you with the big money. Because honestly, like if you, no one in publishing has any, it's like, oh, you wrote another novel. Here's two cents. And whereas if you write, write a screenplay or the screenplay for the novel or whatever, if you just, you know, then all of a sudden it's big money. Do you have a preference of which, do you like writing movies or is it just like this is got awful? I like awful. writing characters and I love writing dialogue. Dialogue like, is fun. Yeah. I don't like the, 
the the, the Struck- architecture stuff. Yeah, it's like ugh. yeah, and they're a lot of them dumb. They're real strict about it. It's weird. Well, I have now. I have a I have a secret though. What is it? <laughs> I was given a secret. From whom? From a from. I can't say, but I now I have from a the f- person you're writing it for. No, it was given a secret from a certain director, and now that I have that secret, I feel much more confident. Marty Scorsese. <laughs> he no, he gives Derek secrets because he's Derek's mentor. Really? Yeah, I have a funny story actually. Okay, so if Scorsese's like God. He's, yes, he's, he's, he's Woody great. Allen's a bigger god. So. But. So they're all at, 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 this sounds so jerky, but they're at the, at the wedding for that guy, Alec Baldwin, who is Derek's very close to Derek. So it's like, Derek said it was ridiculous, like him, and then like, ne- you know, next to him is Martin Scorsese, who, and they did that on purpose because he's like, he's his mentor, right? So Martin Scorsese's asking about Hick, right? He's like, so what happened with Hick? You know, I thought I was supposed to be an executive producer on that. And Derek's sort of like, well, there was all this you know, weird stuff. And he's like, well, this is why I would have done that 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 movie. I would have done it like this. I would have done everything from Eddie, the cowboy. I would have done, I can't do Martin Scorsese. Like, <laughs> I thought it was a good Scorsese. <laughs> he's like, I would have done everything through the cowboy, through the cowboy's perspective, you know, and he would have become obsessed, obsessed with the young girl. And, and he goes on and on. And then he stops and Derek's like, so you would have done Taxi Driver. <laughs> that is it's totally yeah. t- no he was like i would have done everything did, how- didn't even realize like the whole time he was basically describing taxi driver did marty find this amusing or was he embarrassed no he laughed and apparently everybody else which was a highfalutin table which i'm not going to say who else was at the table because then i'm really gonna sound like a jerk hey, you can name drum can name- i really tell you because it was a pretty good table i would have died to be. Uh, i ended up in a situation like that once and i fucking make sure everybody knows who i was sitting at a table what was it me it was Derek. It wasn't me so it was Derek. <laughs> Right? Derek Martini, Martin Scorsese, Woody Allen, <laughs> like Woody Allen and Lauren Michaels, and some other guy who can't remember. I respect everybody at that table but Lauren Michaels. Yeah. Well, well he said Lauren Michaels, Michaels didn't say were the whole time. As he, like, in 1975, Lauren Michaels would have, I would have been like, oh, Lauren Michaels, now I'm just like, yeah, yeah. Does, is he, everyone, it, the idea is that he's evil or something? Like I don't that. know what, he's just weird, I think. Really? I've, I, I, yeah. Is he he's weird. I think he just... really, and uh, this is only going by some stories I know in my experiences with him. But he really likes that status he has. Like when I met him, mm-hmm. he introduced himself to me. I was auditioning for him, mm-hmm. and he's like, "I'm Lauren Michaels." I was like, uh, "Nice to meet you. I'm Matt Dwyer." He's like, "I know." I was like, "Okay, we of course, and I know you. Like that's the situation. Right. But why are you being a dick? Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's like it's already sucks to be here. Right. I mean, pressure-wise. Isn't that movie Brain Candy supposed to... Isn't that character supposed to that be That is. Him? Yeah. That is. And then didn't he... I heard the rumor that he, like, sunk the movie in a way. Oh, like, interesting. Because that movie's actually really funny. Kids in a Hole. Yes. Uh, you know, I've never seen the film from beginning to end. I'd catch... I've watched it almost in reverse. I'd see the last 20 minutes, then the middle section, and then, like, and it's a real weird way of seeing it. I think that movie is a, a hidden gem. Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Those guys are... Go- and, uh, 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 I'm flaking on his name. The gay one. Um, Scott Thompson. Uh, I did a show with him. Like, he did stand-up at a show, and mm-hmm. the guy is fucking bombastically... Like, it was... Really? He was talking about circumcision uh-huh. and how like it's wrong for him to blow a baby, but it's acceptable to cut part of the baby's <laughs> penis off. And he's like, I think you would, if you gave the baby a choice, you'd probably go with the blow job. <laughs> and I was like, it's just so dark and awful, but it's also, it's like, yeah. like oh, yeah. It's a big thing in the whole like mommy community, whether you're going to circumcise your babies or not. It's like a whole thing. What'd you do? Um, I, I, I'm not going to say because I don't want, I know that like in the future, Wyatt is not going to want everybody to know, but I will say one thing, (laughs) what people should, the, the people that should be asked whether the babies should be circumcised are the future girlfriends of the baby. And they will all say circumcise that baby. Interesting. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pleased I'm circumcised. I'm pretty happy. I'll show you. I thought for a second the, I'll show you. I thought for a second the expression on your face was I'm uncircumcised and I'm insulted. No. Okay, good. 
I've seen uncircumcised penises in pictures and whatnot, and it's <laughs> maybe I'm like you know um because I've looked at mine my whole life and I do look at it a lot, but I'm like <laughs> I'm like yeah I'm pretty pleased with that. Yeah, it's. But no, did now is that one of those things when you when you made when you made life? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did that right. change? Because I asked one friend of this when he he became a father, and I was like, did it change your perspective on everything? Because I'm you know people are always like, oh my whole life has changed. And like for the better. And sometimes I look at people, I'm like, you're full of shit. Mm-hmm. But my friend Owen was like, yeah, I, like for two weeks. And then I just went back to being my, the way I was. Yeah, I mean, it's probably different for boys than girls. I mean, for me, it's like why it is completely like. Yeah, that came out of you. Yeah. I mean, he's like my every decision, everything. I mean, he's he's yeah, it's completely different. Like the days of getting shit faced at noon in Echo Park or no longer, of course. I was. Yeah. I don't like, but is it, is, I mean, like, I mean, how many times can you get shit faced at noon? Right, exactly. And at a certain point, it's sort of like, uh, okay. No, I mean, it, it completely changes everything, I think, for the better. That's my dog barking. Yeah, there he is. <laughs> there he, is. He, he chewed his whole rawhide. Well, Charlie, go fuck yourself. We're almost near wrapping it up time. Okay. So I, I, I tell my up? dog to fuck himself all the time. Okay, good. And uh, I call him, I call him a lot of names I can't say on the radio. <laughs> We did say, who did we say go Radio. fuck yourself to on, so far on the show? Uh, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. But uh, real quick, did the baby change the, your cre- creative point of view? Because like I'm... Yes, definitely. Like I'm a pretty dark, weird guy. And I'm like, if I had a baby, would I become like all yeah. sunshine and, and, no, and fluffy no, no, flowers? No, 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 no. You just, speak, everything is just a little more real. Like you're, you sort of like all of the layers of your kind of like personal BS sort of go away. It's sort of like becoming a Buddhist, but with a baby. <laughs> kind of. It's like meditating and then... You don't have time for a lot of the stuff that you had time for before. I can't believe my dog's barking. I know. Well, I think it's... Uh, I don't know. That, I mean... So, uh, yeah. I guess I don't really have... I covered everything about I, that I wanted to, I think, sort of. I don't really plan these things too well. I mean, intentionally. Well, I hope it wasn't a horrible bore. I'm not really a comedian, so I hope I wasn't I d- I've bored. had no comedians on this podcast at all that i won't have a comedian on really that's yeah why because you think that they would be like but a big but a boom and like well because it becomes well first of all there's enough podcasts with comedians Mm -mm. and i wanted to do kind of a studs turkle-esque thing where i just Mm -hmm. sort of more of uh, talk to people about what they do in their lives and this it's like an organic conversation right and and then by my tastes i tend to go to weird subversives so it started off where i was like i'll talk to the dry cleaner and then before i know it i'm talking to guys who blew up mail trucks in the 60s so <laughs> that's that's what and uh and uh, but i mean i'll talk to, i talked to a guy who owns a soda pop shop last week really how did that go really interesting but then he got into weird political stuff and it was great and i was he like did. i didn't even ask for this was he was he political was he like just really anti-corporate anti-big business and you know he have you seen the dark knight rises no, um, I'm it has a little this weird paranoid. Anti-Occupy Wall Street thing. What? On. Yeah, it has this weird. You would never think that a, a Hollywood movie would ever have like a weird anti-Occupy Wall Street undertone, but it totally does. That makes me really irritated. Me I'm too. Just about to read a Noam Chomsky book was, about Occupy. I was shocked. It's. I don't think people fully understand. Oh, of course, and then let's not forget. Like, I forget. I don't know what studio put out, but it's like Warner Brothers. But who are they owned by? Like a lot of these fucking right. guys are like owned like, because uh, my friend tried to do a sell a documentary to HBO about Rush Limbaugh, I believe, mm-hmm. and HBO, I think, that was who. It, well, anyway, but HBO was like, we don't want to be political, and I was like, that's really weird. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, they're owned by Viacom, so it's like, he's like, you know, that's. You should have gone to Fox. Isn't it weird? Some of Fox's television and films are awesome, and yet that's owned by Rupert Murdoch. But I, their TV shows are great. I'm, I'm sure Fox would have been like, yeah, we'll take that. Maybe he will. I don't know. All right. We'll tell your friend. I don't know. When's Bob Barry This come out? Barry This comes out. Uh, I think it comes out next year, but I don't want to say for sure. How long does it take them to publish? Well, because I may since? still have to do some editing and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So I don't want to. But I think next year. Otherwise, I may have to, you know, put a bullet in my head. No. No. Well, then buy Hick and then get ready for bury this, you fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Andrea Portez. Thank you very much uh, for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I hope you enjoyed that. I think I did. 
Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please donate to it. We are a very bare-bones, minimal thing, hand-to-mouth, and uh, Dustin Marshall, who produces this and edits this, uh, he needs money to stay afloat uh, to for the website and for equipment, and I need gas and food, because uh, I eat a lot of lentils, folks, I won't lie to you. There's not a lot of money coming in on, in the world right now. So if you, And if you can't afford to donate some money, go to the feralaudio.com site, and uh, buy something. If you buy something on Amazon through our link, we get a kickback. So, you know, go buy some toilet paper on Amazon and make me a dime or a quarter. Uh, also, listen to the other shows on Feral Audio. There's a lot of great shows. There's Don Tini. There's the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. Uh, Johnny Pepperton has Twist in the Wind, which is a really great show. I'm really enjoying that show. Um, I was fighting back a belch there, everybody. That's what was happening. Um, follow me on Twitter, Matt underscore DeWire. At, uh, the Twitter's there, and if you want to email me and converse, uh, mention things about the show, uh, it's uh, conversations with Dwyer with Dwyer at gmail.com. I want to thank you for listening to my show and for listening to Feral Audio, and I hope you have a really good week. Power to the people. I love you, everybody. Security Agency to assess and flag citizens of the country who may present a threat to its security. The NSA has clearance to wiretap by any means necessary. Tapped. Incidental recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.